What up, Nick? Hey. All right, here we go. Now we got our microphone figured out, I think. Can you hear me good? Yeah, loud and clear. Well, we're good to go now. Um, yeah, we're recording on a Friday night, which is a little different than our usual Saturday or Sunday. Um, but I don't think we have a usual. Seems well, like it's a different day every time. No, it's usually Saturday or Sunday, though. I don't know. Who cares? Anyways, this is a Nick track as we get into this week's. We're going to do what? We're going to do six this week, and then we're going to finish it off with two sevens, right? To get to number one. Yep. Yep. So this is a Nick track. Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons, December 1963. Uh, I mean, I think most people have probably heard this song before, but Nick, do you have any little nuggets that you wanted to drop in regards to this one, or what do you like so much about it? Well, it's just so upbeat, really catchy. And there's a part coming up that like really clinches it for me, and I'll let you know when that's coming up. But is it the little, the little solo with the keyboard or whatever? Yes, yes, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Yeah, yeah, a little keyboard solo. That's always a winner. Now, Frankie, yeah. wasn't he like a crooner in the fifties? What's that? I don't know. You know, like a Sinatra type. One of those guys. No, I would. I would never put him in the same category as Sinatra. Or- you know the like but he didn't he have uh i mean this is more of like a funk pop song this isn't really what yeah, he's this known is, this for is typically a, is this it? is much this is much later in his career i think this yeah. was one of his last singles i mean it seems like he kind of came out of nowhere with this one i'm assuming he probably hadn't charted for years until he you know when he made this one this one must have been just kind of out of the blue for him um i don't know it's like I mean, are, are you familiar with his other stuff? Because, I mean, he has a lot of really famous songs, like a lot of them that you would definitely recognize right away if you heard it. Um, yeah, I mean, I have heard of a lot of his stuff, but that that's why I was kind of thinking, wasn't it always like 50s and like early 60s, that sort of time frame? Um, if, if he was in the 50s, it would have been late 50s, because I know most of his stuff was in the 60s. But, I mean, like, I, 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 thought, I don't think this is really that, you know, far of a shot from what he sounds like normally. I would think this is a pretty good example of his style of music. Well, it's de- what year did this come out? 75. Okay. So it's kind of middle of the disco craze. And you can tell that you can really get the disco vibe off of it. Yeah, this is definitely a dance hit. Yeah. Like the drum beat and all that jazz, like it's very 70s disco style here. But... Uh, Funny fact, though, that this song, when they wrote it, the title of the song was originally called 1933. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, the, the title for the song originally, when they first wrote it, instead of December 63, the song was called 1933. So it would have been <laughs> December of 33? Uh, not even December. What was but, it uh, just going to be? Just late 1933? <laughs> the, lyrics, the lyrics were completely different, too. Really? So, so the song was originally they wrote it about the repeal of prohibition in oh, 1933. Jesus <laughs> All right. Well, I guess yeah, that's when the party started again, right? <laughs> and then uh, I guess Frankie, I guess uh, he had the lyrics down, and I guess he discussed it with the band members, and just was like, maybe we should make this like a romantic kind of love song instead. Uh, I, I think it worked out for the best. I don't think it would have the same. <laughs> I honestly don't think I would get the same type of like. Uh, 
I don't know, enjoyment out of it. If it was 33, I don't know. I get what they're going for, though. I mean, that's a good idea, but no, not for me. That would been, what did this chart at? Number one. Okay, clearly. Yeah, I mean, that has number one song written all over it. That's got it all right there. <laughs> Which is now, I'm, I am starting to be surprised by that, though, because there's so many songs on our list. Yeah, that, like if you like... would have asked me to just like pinpoint it, I probably would have been like, number 11. <laughs> like, <laughs> and for some reason, it stood the test of time and like the number one song was some horse shit. It's just so weird. Like, look back on number one songs throughout time that just have no really like legacy whatsoever. And then there's songs that are like charted, like didn't even chart that have these massive legacies. It's just like such an odd dynamic when you look back in the history of popular music. Yeah. There's actually a song that we're going to talk about tonight where it's that same thing where it's like, you would expect it to be number one and it just wasn't even close. Well, um, any other final thoughts on Frankie Valley and the four seasons? Oh, what a night. 1933. <laughs> <laughs> Not just one of my favorites, just because it's so catchy and upbeat. Right, Not much gonna, more to say. It's going to change a little bit here. So let's give this whirl. <laughs> <laughs> this is all over the place. This is one of those like uh, bipolar nights. Uh, this one is mine. Metallica, nothing else matters. I think this might be my highest Metallica song. I'm not sure, but yeah, um, it is. Yeah. I don't know. I just, this, like, when I got this song, this was the first CD I ever had. I got it the same day as uh, Criss Cross. I got this album and Criss Cross Jump on the same exact day. And one stood the test of time for me, and it was Metallica. Criss Cross, my fandom ended there. But I don't know. This song, like, I'm just like a third grader listening to this and be like, man, this fucking rocks. Like, it's so, like, <laughs> it's so deep and slow and just. I'm just this little kid, like, sucking it in, and I just adore this song. Just sit on repeat on my Sony CD player when it came in the mail from the JCPenney catalog. <laughs> God, this song rules. I don't even think this was my first Metallica album. It was not I, your first Metallica yeah, album? I mean, I mean, we're not super old, so, I mean, it's not like we were, you know, up, keeping up with the band since the, since the very beginning. So, I mean, this... This CD probably came out when I was like eight or nine years old, but no, I think uh, Master of Puppets was the first one I got. Uh, this was my first on CD. I did have tape cassettes though, like I was in the tape cassette phase. Did you ever go through the tape cassette phase? Uh, no, the only real tape cassettes I had were like Weird Al tapes and they're like weird obscure things. Oh, I love the Weird Al tapes, dude. I had so many of those. They were the best. Um, but yeah, so this was my first CD Metallica, but I did have like Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets on tape cassette. So, wow, it really just like faded out on me completely there. What <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of trash, dude. It was too loud. Um, but yeah, so nothing else matters. Um, we can just talk about it for a little bit longer and I'll just edit it up, I guess, is what we could do. So, yeah. Um, uh, where was I talking about your first Metallica album? Yeah. So I had pretty much all of them on tape cassette. And then this was the first one in the CD era. Um, the nice thing about Metallica albums is they typically did not have the parental advisory, uh, sticker on them, which really hindered my music purchasing abilities. My mom didn't really go all in on me enjoying those until 
God, I don't know when she, my first one I got was Guns N' Roses, uh, Appetite for Destruction, but it took a while for my mom to really let me do that. Um, were you one of the kids that was, that was denied parental advisory? Yeah. And my mom never came around on that actually. Really? Did you yes. ever sneak it? Oh, all the time. But was, yeah, I was, uh, I was not allowed to listen to Metallica. I had to, really? <laughs> even, even though there's no parental advisory on there, she still like, she was familiar enough with it. Like I can, I, I have this memory of my mom telling me that she thought Metallica was evil. <laughs> what? Metallica's <laughs> like. Metallica is like, um, it's like cottage metal. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's so tame compared to other things though. God, just like think of like the other metal bands, like that were dominant around the time, like Megadeth, uh, Slayer, just God, dude, they were like way worse than Metallica. I mean, granted, like some of the earlier Metallica, I guess was a little heavy, but generally I don't, I don't really think of Metallica as anything like too devastating or anything like that. It's a very standard heavy metal band as far as like lyrically go it's not like they're like satanic but whatever what else was satanic in your household jeez so i mean I, like i mean you can tell with the first track we played tonight the frankie valley that's because my parents mostly my mom did not let me listen to anything besides oldies like like the golden oldies from like the 60s and 70s that was all i was able to listen to until i was like 10 years old what did your mom think about like your fandom when you're in your teens, when you started listening to like the new metal and shit, was she not a fan of this? <laughs> I'd have to, like, if I was going to like be in my room and play that music loud, it would have to be like when my parents weren't home. Really? Other than, that, other than that, I had to listen to my headphones all the time. That's sad. I feel bad for you, Nick. <laughs> like, I'm, I remember when, uh, when I was 16, I went to my first concert. My first live show ever was a corn with Lincoln park. And so she she'd seen i was wearing corn t-shirts all the time and uh before she bought me the tickets she wanted to listen to corn oh, and i was God. like oh man this is the end of it so i was like last ditch effort i went into my cd case and i grabbed an offspring cd and i put it in and told her it was corn and she's like uh this this isn't so bad i guess <laughs> she let me offspring has some offspring has some horrible lyrics <laughs> I, I think remember. honestly, like I think Offspring's lyrics are probably more risque than Corns. Yeah, but they're not as heavy, and they're not just like immediately like abrasive. Like I mean, their songs have melody and stuff. You should have just told her about how the guitarist jams with Huckabee, even though it was before his, <laughs> before the time. <laughs> he's a he's a conservative he's a conservative guitarist jamming on Huckabee. Oh man. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, it was really tough. Like, I used to, uh, the dual, the old dual cassette players where you could rip right off of the radio. That was just a godsend. You get the yeah, blank tapes. You can wait for the song you want to come on and quick hit record on it. God, it was the best. Oh, I, had a lot, I had a mixtape where it was like every song on it was missing the first five seconds. Yeah, because you, you got to like get <laughs> situated and shit. Oh, man. I miss the I, that's like the simplicity of youth. It was great, man. Honestly, it's like too easy to get a hold of shit now. Like, like for this, all I do is just go on YouTube and I just save the MP3 off of YouTube. It's like, <laughs> wow. The, even those crappy tapes, like I just cherished those. Like they were, <laughs> yeah, like my most cherished possessions. God, they were the best, man. I wish, honestly, like I wish I still had those tapes somewhere. I wish I would have held on to them. Like they'd be fun to just go through. And just listen to. I had a, I had my own like volumes. I called them killer cuts. 
is what I called them. <laughs> I don't know why, but I had like killer cuts volumes like one through 50. And it was just all of these blank tapes that I had filled up with songs. That's how I got all my shit. And I also really like frequented uh, getting CD singles as well. CD singles were something that I really just bought the shit out of it. Like target down the road from my house. I used to call in the radio station and request a song. And then I just sit there with my <laughs> finger on the record, on the record button. <laughs> just, just waiting. Dirt. Sometimes it would take like an hour for them to play the song. Just dirt, man. God, Ah, <laughs> uh, man, dude, it would have been too easy for us these days. We, we'd be failures in life because it's so easy to get what we want nowadays. Oh man. All right. Well, let's get on to, to your track. I mean, um, I, preface this by i like this song but this is my least favorite song for top 50 <laughs> i knew it i knew you were gonna say something like that wow and it doesn't even want to work it doesn't even want to play for me it's like oh, i heard you everyone already knows what it is yeah like literally we could just play that first five seconds and it's pretty much that's all you need I don't know, Nick. I don't got a lot to say about this. It's catchy. I understand why people like it. It's just not my cup of tea. But um, what do you want to say about Smash Mouth All-Star? I think this is the catchiest song ever written. Far none. Even bigger than Tarzan Boy? (laughs) Yes, even bigger than that. I think Tarzan Boy is the uh, premier catchy song. But I, I will say this is very catchy. Now, this even is- though even though you don't love this song, can you believe that this song did not get to number one? What did it get to? Four. Number four? Did you look at what number one was at the time? No, I did not. I'd be very curious. What the fuck happened to Smash Mouth? Where'd they go? <laughs> they still tour every now and then. Oh, yeah. Don't you remember they, they, toured, uh, they toured maybe like four years ago and I asked you to go with me and you refused? I don't remember you asking me that, but I do. I can see myself refusing that offer. Did you offer to pay? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) But I I ended up, I ended up not going because nobody would go with me. (laughs) Oh, that's sad. Should have gone. You you couldn't find anyone to go with you. No, dude, was it? (laughs) It was Sugar Ray headlining with Smash Mouth and Eve Six. Wow. I don't know. If they come back, I'll go. I would actually, like, right now, I'm so, like, concert-deprived that that sounds appealing to me. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, I could deal with that. That'd be fine. Oh, man, that is just... That's brutal, though. Where was it? The Myth? Uh, I don't remember, actually. I don't think it was The Myth, but I, I don't remember. But yeah, this song... Just come out? Uh, this was 99. But I mean, this, yeah, this song is so universally loved. Like, so Billboard has now they have like a streaming chart, like a top 100 of just stream songs. <laughs> From 2017 to 2019, this song was still on there. Jeez, this song has become synonymous with Shrek, though. Has it yeah, not? it has. Like, Which is weird because it, it was in uh, the movie The Mystery Men before it was in Shrek. Mystery Men. You know, the um, Ben Stiller superhero movie? Yeah, I, have you seen it? I think I've watched it maybe once. Like, I think that's like I a saw movie it in that... theaters, but I've oh, not God. seen it since. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's crazy. Um, oh, okay. 
I've got it up here. I got the three songs that were ahead of Smash Mouth All Star when it when it peaked at number four. Uh, number three was Bills 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 by Destiny's Child, which dropped to number three from number two. Number two was Tell Me It's Real by KCI and JoJo. And the number one song in America was Genie in a Bottle by Christina Aguilera. Okay, like, yeah, I don't agree, but I can see why that one would be number one. Especially in that time. Like, that was, I don't know, that that's just like quintessential, like 1999, Genie in a Bottle. It's that, you know, it's the boy band, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera era of music, really. It wasn't, you know, pop rock. I mean, obviously it had a place, but it wasn't the, it wasn't the, you know, that wasn't your tend to be your number one hit at the time. You know, number four is pretty high for the type of band that Smash Mouth is, I would say, in 1999. Like, what other bands were out there? Like Limp Bizkit and stuff, um, Korn. Um, but I mean, they wouldn't be on that. They wouldn't no, be on the and they wouldn't even be on that. So getting the number four for... They are pop rock, but that's pretty high for a band. That's pretty good. I'm looking at the songs here from <laughs> Jesus, man. Just some brutal shit. If You Had My Love by Jennifer Lopez. Summer Girls by LFO. I Want It That Way. That was the a charting Lopez. song, LFO? Number seven. Yeah, I Want It That Way was number six. Wild Wild West, Will Smith featuring Drew Hill and Cool Modi. <laughs> number ten. That is a good song. Though. I love that song. <laughs> Living La Vida Loca was at week 18. It's number 20. Man, gosh, those were the days. <laughs> Out of My Head by Fastball, number 34. That is a great song. I, I considered that song for our list at one point. Out of My Head by Fastball? Yeah. Yeah, it's the best fastball. The greatest fastball for sure. <laughs> All right. Now I'm back at it. I have my Metallica and now I have my Guns N' Roses, so I'm completely covering my youth here. Uh, this song, this is this was one of the initial, we were talking about the songs that we would record off the radio on our dual track recorders. This was one of the first that I ever recorded off the radio. I actually remember sitting on my neighbor's step hitting the record button. I was so excited that they were playing it on 93X. This song is just pure. Well, when we saw them live, I believe they closed with this. I think this is a common closer for them. Yeah, I think this is their closer. I mean, I don't have a ton to say about it. It's just... This is like peak 80s hard rock for me. Like, this is perfect. This is a perfect 80s hard rock song. This is everything that Motley Crue wishes they could be. I mean, it's got slashes, riffs, like the guitar is amazing. I don't, and it just feels large. Like it's arena rock, but it's not cheesy. It's just great. Like everything about it is perfect. Do you realize that this is like a hotly debated song among critics? Why? Like about 50% of critics say this is their worst song. And then the other half say it's their best song. How could this be their worst song? Like wh what is the argument for this being their worst song? I looked up a little bit of their argument, and it seems like the the thing that they agree on the most about, you know, a negative thing about it is how long the outro is. That's great, though. 
Like, I was looking at it and I saw the radio edit version, but I threw in the six-minute version here. <laughs> I love the outro. Yeah, even, like, uh, you know, that uh, top 500 Rolling Stones list we referenced? Yeah. This just barely made that list. Yeah, it was, like, 490-something. 459. 459. I, I honestly, I can't think of... Clearly, I can't think of too many songs that I find better than this song because it's this high on our uh, list. But and, and yet, once once again, like as usual, this is one that I can't believe wasn't number one. But no, it, it topped out at five. Yep, number five. Um, and I'm looking at the four songs in front of it. If you want to hear them, this is going to be my thing tonight. Is just looking at the songs <laughs> instead of it. We got number one song in America is Lost in Your Eyes by Debbie Gibson. I've heard of Debbie Gibson, but I honestly couldn't place that song. I don't. I've never heard it. Yeah. I mean, maybe I've heard it, but it obviously didn't make much of an impact on me. Number two is Mike and the Mechanics, The Living Years. Nope. Nope. I've heard of Mike and the Mechanics, but I can't. I can't place that song. This one I have heard of. Number three, You Got It, The Right Stuff by New Kids on the Block. I only know that song because of Weird Al. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Number four, I also haven't heard. Ronnie by Bobby Brown. Nope. And it's apparently this song, this Ronnie by Bobby Brown, has been on the charts for ten weeks. Like, what? I, 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 I don't... Like, none of those songs, as far as, like, when we look back in the annals of music history... None of them carry the weight that this song carries. It's not even close. I don't know. It's just really weird how this... Man, a lot of these songs sucked. <laughs> oh, wow. There are some good ones on here, though. Listen to some of these hits. Uh, number 10, Straight Up by Paulo Abdul. That's great. Yeah, I love it. Uh, number 11, Eternal Flame by the Bangles. I'm not number familiar 13, with that Number 13, The Look by Roxette. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, Wild Thing by Tone Loaf was 17. It's alright. Walk the Dinosaur was 19. <laughs> oh that? I can't oh, believe that's on the list. Here you go. You love this one. She Drives Me Crazy by the Fine Young Cannibals, number 21. Yeah, that's a classic. Um, Stand by R.E.M. is number 22. Oh, 24 and 25 are back-to-back bangers, man. Number 24 is A Little Respect by Erasure. And 25 is You Got It by Roy Orbison. Great songs. That Man. Eraser one, is that a cover of the Aretha, Aretha Franklin? No. Oh, no, you've definitely heard me play this song before. I'll send it to you in a, after on, on Spotify. I'll send you. It's a fucking great song. Holy shit, number 39, Orinico Flow by Enya. I had no idea that was from 1989. I thought that was straight up like 1997. Yeah, I would have guessed that too. Because that's when it was on all those Time Life commercials. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. It's actually a pretty good chart here. But, I mean, the four that no, are... None of, them, none of them should have been above this song, though. Oh, no, none of them should have been above this. Like, the four that are above... I, like... Those four, like, I'd put The Look, Eternal Flame, all these ones better songs than that shit. Walk the Dinosaur is a better song than that shit. Oh, man. Do you know this oh, song wasn't released as a single until two years after the album came out? Dude, this album had staying power, man. This album sat on <laughs> charts for years. Dude, I'm just like scrolling down through this. Holy shit. 28th week on the chart. Last week it was 78. It 
peaked at number one. The ninety-three so, number ninety-three song in America was Kokomo. <laughs> That's a great song, dude. All these songs are better than that horse shit. <laughs> I'm mad. Man, this is actually kind of addicting to just scroll through. Ooh, Cult of Personality debuted that week by Living Color. Guess where it debuted? Ninety-nine. Nope, seventy-seven. I'm scrolling back up. Oh. That's a great song. Every yeah. Rose Has His Thorn, 75. I'm just literally just reading off these lists here while this, this song's seven minutes long. <laughs> are, are you familiar with the uh, original lyrics to the chorus? No. I mean, maybe. I don't, what is it? Instead, uh... Well, the, uh, so I guess Slash is the one who wrote the lyrics. You know, he wrote the ones that we're familiar with, but then, uh... The alternate lyrics he also came up with was uh, wh where the girls are fat and they got big titties. There you go. I think that's better, <laughs> man. That's great. Slash is a genius. <laughs> they, they went against that one for obvious reasons, but I think it's funny that that was on the table. The funny like, thing the is, like, this day and age, probably would get published. I don't know, though. Fat might, you know, might be viewed as, like, not body positive. So maybe... <laughs> I don't know. It's debatable, but you could definitely get away with big titties these days. <laughs> All right, what do we got next? Ooh, this is a Nick track, Mary Jane's Last Dance by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. What do you got on this one, Nick? I really came around on Tom Petty, like, last handful of years. I really was not a fan before. He can grow on you. He's the guy that's got about 10 songs for me that are pretty solid. I mean, even this song, like, I mean, I was always okay with this song, like, back in the day, but it's kind of more recently that I really just fell head over heels over this one. Now, this video, um... Creepy as hell. Yeah, it is. This is, like, slow dancing with, like, a dead woman or something? <laughs> yeah. God, it's strange. Apparently that video won awards. <laughs> First of all, I think the idea of giving music videos awards is stupid on its face. Like, they're like four-minute things with people lip-syncing on them, typically, and then sometimes they take themselves, like, way too seriously. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was Kim Basinger, though. I remember it was Kim Basinger yep. in the video. Um, she used to be quite the vixen. I don't know why you would want her to be dead, though. Um, Apparently he was a morgue assistant. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't understand the relevance of the video to the song. But yeah, it's like Tom Petty working at a morgue and then he sees Kim facing her, you know, her corpse. And he, I don't know, he falls in love with her dead body. So he like steals the corpse and brings her home. Like uh. dan dances around his house with it. Okay, so this is from the Wikipedia. During the final scenes of the video, Petty is seen carrying Bassinger through a cave and placing her in the water. The cave is located at Leo Carrillo State Park, California, where many movies and television shows were filmed. I said, she's gotten a really good look, or why would he keep her around after she's dead? I thought, Kim Basinger would be good. I'd probably keep her for a day or two. Let's go see if she would do it. You can make a joke about it, but you have to act a bit to be dead. It's not easy. That's a Tom Petty quote. What the fuck? <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, clearly this is about weed, right? That's what I thought. <laughs> I thought it was about weed, but... No, actually, it's, uh, it's actually not about weed. What's it about? Like, uh, breaking yeah. up with a girl named Mary? 
and the the guitar player swears that it was it was really just about saying goodbye to a girl. Oh man, there's some bangers on this chart too. This was 1994. It's crazy that this was 1994. Like I'm getting my years mixed up as I get older. Yeah, this was this uh, Tom Petty was writing it for uh, their Wallflowers album, but I guess he got antsy and he wanted to release it right away, so they just threw it on their greatest hits album that came out the year before. Really? Hmm. Well, it definitely was one of their greatest hits. That's for sure. Peaked at number 14 in 1994 on March 19th. Doesn't it seem weird, though, to put a song on a Greatest Hits album when no one's heard the song before? I mean, I know bands that do that where they, you know, where they haven't released anything for a while and they'll add, like, one new track to their Greatest Hits album. You know, I mean, it's been done before where they, like, add one or two tracks because they're not recording a full album. But if you're in the process of recording a full album, I would assume that you would normally just wait for the album release with this new music, especially a song of this quality, but... Um, I mean, it's not unheard of to do that, so. There's a lot of bangers on this list, too, but still, I would put this above most of them. Ooh, number 12, All for Love, Brian Adams, Rod Stewart, and Sting. <laughs> oh, there's so many. All this stuff, just great music all around. What do you think the number one song in America was this week? This week? Yep. I don't know, maybe it's still WAP. No, not this. Not the week of 1994 that this was number 14. <laughs> I just said this week, like clarifying what week are you talking about? Uh, the week for the, cause of the song. Which one okay, do you think it was? Num- number one, 1994. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I would hope it would be something like Say It Ain't So, but I know that would never be the case. No. I've not seen Say It Ain't So in here. <laughs> <laughs> It's a pop song. It's a very popular pop song. This one stood the test of time. It still rips. Uh, let's have it. Tell me what it is. The Sign by Ace of Bass. It's a great song. I don't yeah. know. It, it's it's their best song, I think. Uh, Beautiful Life's a good one, too. I love those shitty fucking Euro trash bands, dude. I love those Euro <laughs> pop bands. They're the best. Eiffel 65. That shit rocked, man. That stuff needs to come back. Like, that's where we should go back to as a society is those fucking bands. <laughs> I would love it if we were just getting, like, Barbie, Barbie Girl Aqua shit all the time. Eiffel 65, dude. That's peak music right there. That's the best music you could ever hope for. Yeah, I had a friend in high school that had subs in the trunk of his car, and he'd blast blue. Oh, God. <laughs> I believe you're supposed to be blasting big timers, not blue, but... <laughs> <laughs> Get your roll on. Yeah. It sounded good though. Oh, all right. Here we go. This is our last one for the night. Uh, another band that stood the test of time and another song that stood the test of time. Great. It did it again. <laughs> so I want to break free by queen. It's not our first queen song that we've covered. And I don't think it's our last. Now this video, you want to talk about creepy videos. This one's very odd. Featured a lot of cross-dressing. Is it really that odd, though? Like, considering no, not, what we know? No, it's, I mean, it's not that odd. I mean, it's not dancing with a with a woman odd. Uh, dead woman odd. Um, 
I'm sure in the, you know, when this came out though in 1984, that was a little jarring to see a man cross-dressing, don't you think? I guess. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you think people knew about Freddy? Do you think they just kind of knew? <laughs> Back then? I don't know, maybe after this video came out, but... I mean, it's, well, it's, hard, even... it's hard to judge because I always knew that about him. Because, I mean, that's my age. You know, he was yeah. already dead before I knew who Queen was. I mean, that wasn't even his idea to the drag. That was Roger Taylor's idea, apparently. But, I mean, I'm trying to think, like, if I didn't know it already, and I just, like, you know, watched some live performances or watched some music videos, I guess I would I would not guess that about him. Nah. I don't know. The mustache kind of gives it away. But, uh... <laughs> Dude, this song... Now, this is, like, absolute travesty. This song peaked at number 45. Uh, that is insane! This is, this is actually my favorite Queen song. It's a great song. It's got it all, man. It's even got, like, the funky Queen solo that we love. Yeah, th this right here is my favorite part of the song, too. Yeah, this is like peak Brian May. This is great Brian May stuff. Dude, Queen has so many great fucking songs that just like <laughs> peaked. Like Killer Queen, 12. You're My Best Friend, 16. Under Pressure, 29. Are you fucking kidding me? Somebody to Love, 16. Radio Gaga, 16. Dude, this is like a travesty. A Kind of Magic, 42. I Want It All, 50. Fuck that shit, dude. Yeah, I mean, for this to be 45, I would have to hope that that year had, like, 30 of the greatest songs of all time. <laughs> like, what? How many great songs would have to beat this one for, like, it to make sense that this was 45? Uh, yeah. So, that was the week of May 26, 1984. I was going to be born in four days. That was four days before I was born. The number one song in America was Let's Hear It For The Boy by Denise Williams. Fuck that shit, dude. That song sucks compared to this <laughs> song. I mean, there is some good ones here. Number four, Com Phil Comparatively, Collins. yeah, but I do love that song. Number four, Against All Odds, Phil Collins. Time After Time by Sidney Lauper is three. Hello by Lionel Richie is two. Oh, Sherry by Steve Perry is five. Come on, man. This song blows all those ones away. As catchy as they are, I mean, come on. Nah, it's not even close. It's pathetic. This actually makes me very mad. Looking I wonder if like the radio story. stations are actually to blame for things like this. I just can't imagine being like, oh, yeah. Um, let's see here. Um, Dance Hall Days by Wang Chung or Break Free. Like, come on, man. Like, seriously? <laughs> but I mean, like, if I was a disc jockey, like the year this song came out, I'd be like, yeah, okay. I guess I just played it 10 minutes ago, but I'm going to play it again because I love it. Yeah, dude. I would be spinning this thing up all the time. <laughs> And I have to imagine people wanted it. Number 36, Debut, Dancing in the Dark by Bruce Springsteen. That must have gone higher than 36. Holy shit. I don't know, man. I don't understand the charts. DJs are stupid and have bad taste, apparently. Uh, that's the best explanation for a lot of this stuff. So those are our six for the week. Um, and now we're getting down to the nitty gritty. We're going to have two episodes left where we're going to cover... Uh, are two we're gonna do seven twice correct to get to number one yep should be nice and even yeah um yeah it was gonna end up being like what a three pack if we kept going with the six <laughs> two actually <laughs> two i think one of our yeah our, yeah i think you know we probably still would have got a 20 minute up so we got we got a really long one <laughs> up at the top but um 
Yeah, so we still got uh, some really good hits coming up. I don't know. What do you, what did you think about this week's list? I thought it was pretty good. Um, <laughs> kind of all over the place. Well, I mean, they. I think they've increasingly been getting all over the place. Um, well, except for next week, though. Next week is n- specifically not going to be all over the place. Yeah, it's literally just Paul Simon. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, not it. It's not all Paul Simon, but there is a good chunk of Paul Simon in those seven songs. So, um, I hope you like Paul Simon if you've been listening. Uh, otherwise, it's probably not going to be the week for you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I believe. It. Can't believe how it just ended up that way. Yeah, we we're just, I don't know, we were making our list. We must have just been like, ah, oh, it seems like a good place to throw four Paul Simon songs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't know. I think I, I I think it's a good list. I I quite enjoyed the songs this week, even though it had my least fave. Um I, it but saying that, I can it's still extremely catchy. I just it just doesn't, it's not my cup of tea, Smash Mouth All Star, but I, I can't complain about it too much. I can understand why it would be on a list like this. So, yeah, I mean, even today, just just three years ago, it was on a streaming chart for a hundred weeks straight. What streaming chart was that? Just the bill <laughs> the Billboard Hot 100 streaming. Oh my god! I didn't even know that was a thing. I need to get on that. I start looking. At <laughs> I didn't know either. But yeah, did you just was. find it? Well, I just I just saw the link to it when I was researching the song. Those guys will never go hungry again. <laughs> it's just they're getting checks daily for this song. Just all the places that it's played. I'm not paying them though. Um, so you think if they, they want to wrote money, that song? Probably not. Yeah, I, I highly suspect that they did not write that song, like in any capacity. We had gotten to the point where people weren't usually writing their own music anymore, and that has continued to this day. And when people write their own music now, there's like ten other credits on it, and it's like, oh, you must have like suggested that they add in a tambourine or something (laughs) like you didn't write it at all like i love when i look at just like any standard pop album and you look at like who wrote the tracks and it's always like five or six names and then the artist and it's like that artist you know they didn't contribute shit most of them don't even play instruments at this point so i don't know it is what it is songwriting though man that's that's a good business to get into i should become a songwriter all my songs would be three chords um C G and D. That's all Yeah, no, C G and D. I mean, you can make anything catchy with those three chords right there. So yeah, um, that is our show for the week. We'll see you next week for the Paul Simon extravaganza. Um, until then, I hope you have a lovely uh week, and we will see you back here in a couple. Any final thoughts, Nick? No, that's about it for me. All right, we'll see you later. Adios.